Grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Powerlifters Den. Today, I wanted to bring on one of the strongest females, if not the strongest female of all time, has the highest total of all time, as well as the highest squat. Uh, Leah, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little bit about who you are? Um, I'm Leah Reichman. I train under Laura Phelps Stackhouse out of the Hive at Tiger Fitness in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I have the all-time rope record squat of 953 pounds, um, so biggest squat ever by a woman, and the biggest total by a woman, the all-time rope record total, and that is 2055. Awesome. So something kind of to connect us in a little bit. I've actually been an affiliate with Tiger Fitness for, I don't know how long, like five or six years now. Um, Mm -hmm. You can actually see the MTS bags in the back. (laughs) I did notice this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I got in contact with Mark back then and kind of just like talked to him about it. Then I talked to his wife on the phone and I became an affiliate from there. Um, I do know that. So that gym's in Loveland, Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's free to the public, I believe. It is free to the public, and they were generous enough after six, like after six o'clock or five o'clock, one of those times. Um, it's private, so um, we were able to get access to that gym. So it's just like we can have our own little powerlifting session if we need to. So that's that's yeah. really nice. Yeah, I feel like for if it was public access, it'd be kind of chaotic trying to get that whole powerlifting crew going. It, yeah, and I mean, even during like the public times, it's a little it can, it can be a little chaotic, um, just because you know, and it's no the general public don't they don't understand specialty bars or like the bands yeah. and chains and stuff like that, so it can yeah. get a little crazy. But really, it's not that bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so you. I guess starting off is what kind of got you into powerlifting, or uh, I guess how long ago was your first meet? Like, what was your first experience like? Yeah, so I started powerlifting in 2016, September of 2016, I believe, Um, and that was my first powerlifting meet. Um, After nine months of, you know, just kind of lifting, seeing what I can do, I started off as a raw lifter. My my first total was 937 pounds, so I always, um, you know, one of my friends, when I started training under Laura, she's like, yeah, I always wanted to squat my first total. So I was like, that's a fun little thing to do. So wanted to squat my first total once I transitioned into gear. Um, I, I started powerlifting. I think I've, I've always just been a competitor. I've always been doing competitive um, sports all my life. And, you know, it kind of gives you that, it gives you structure, um, you know, not just motivation to go to the gym, but that discipline that you already have yeah. engraved in you from team sports or whatever you do. Um, so it allowed me to be competitive, but also work on becoming a stronger human. Like I always knew that I was strong, grew up on a farm, knew that I could be pretty good at lifting, especially after my first meet. And honestly, I remember I was like, I looked up, I was starting to look up, um, I think that was back when powerlifting it was powerlifting watch it wasn't even open powerlifting yet um 
I looked it up. I'm like, oh, okay. So who's Becca Swanson? Because I'm going to beat her one day. (laughs) (laughs) And and I just made that my goal. And I was like, I want to have the biggest all-time world record spot. And I want to beat her total. And, um, you know, I trained for seven years trying to do that. And I was able to to pull it off. And I mean, it took, it took a lot of hard work. Um, I don't think that I was ever, I don't think that I ever missed the gym more than two or took rest for like more than two weeks yeah. um, for seven years. So, I mean, you make it a lifestyle to accomplish that goal almost. Um, yeah. So. And like a, a 2000 pound total, like it's still like, it's obviously becoming more and more common nowadays, but that's for men. Like even a 2000 pound total for a man is like a crazy number. So, for a female mm-hmm. to do that, it's honestly, it's like incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, only it's clearly only two other people or one other person has done it and that's Becca. Um, and I mean, she's, I, she held that record, I think for 20, I think she broke it in maybe 2004, 2005. Um, so, and I mean, definitely she's just like a pioneer of strength. Cause she still holds the, the bench and the deadlift records. Um, but she was just, I mean, she uses it as her, her slow, like that's her thing. Like she's the strongest ever. Um, that's her brand. (laughs) So, so, and she's great. She, you know, she's always been super, um, inspirational and she would always, she would reach out and she's, you know, she's really kind. She was really excited when I broke these records. So it's nice to have someone who's cheering for you and rooting for you too. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, like, let's go. Like you can do this. So that's really cool. Um, as well, because records are meant to be taken. They aren't kept, yeah. they're shared. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it definitely, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of time in the gym, um, you know, training partners come and go. But honestly, um, I trained conjugate style the entire time. Um, I've learned conjugate through Laura, through reading the West Side Book of Methods, watching Louie's videos. And I was lucky. And I honestly think, I, I believe that is why I kind of, I've been able to do this without an injury. Yeah. because of that method of training. Um, you know, it's a little different. It, it, it allows, you know, your body time to rest. Um, it allow it's, it's, it's just a scientific kind of way of training. And I think that's what's helped me stay healthy. Um, yeah, cause a lot I of people, of the, oh, you, can go, you can go. I was gonna say, I think one of the reasons why people, um, get, you know, overtrained or injuries is, um, they is literally just overtraining fatiguing right are you yeah. I, I don't know if that's what you're going to say but <laughs> I was, yeah i was gonna kind of so like for me that's something that like each prep i think i'm doing a little bit better with it and better with it and then i'm getting towards the end of prep and then i can feel it so i'm like i'm starting to dial it in a little bit but um it was matt winning that explained the reason of like the way conjugate works is kind of the whole changing it up often stops like the repetitive motion. And like, Mm -hmm. if you think about it from like a workplace perspective, like repetitive motion injuries are common. So if you're repeating the same movement over and over again, you're bound to tear something, strain something. So I think that's a one way to approach conjugate. But I think, I think it's pretty obvious if you just look at the strongest people in the world, like most of them are training conjugate. So as a lot of people, like some people like to talk shit about it. Like it clearly works. <laughs> I mean, it showed itself over a hundred times probably by now. So. 
Exactly. And I mean, it's more of a layout, right? It's not like you have to do this, 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 and this. It's not like a five, three, one or anything like that. It's, you know, it's open to different things and different um, lifts, like you said, different movements. You know, you think about, say, like linear. Um, so everything less than 20% is recovery, essentially. And to get a stimulus to help you get stronger, you need 80% or so, right? So all that in between, you know, all those reps and sets that you're doing and you see in between, it's just practicing a skill versus you're not really getting stronger. And I mean, I do believe that there is a place for linear, but, you know, people, like you said, all that repetitive motion and everything causes an increase for injury. So that's, yeah, I think. I've, I be, I firmly believe that is why I was, I've been able to go as far as I have. And, you know, seven years, it's, I'm no spring chicken in the sport. So, I mean, I'm still pretty new compared to, to a lot of people. But, I mean, just to be able to do it so far and not have an injury, like, that's that's very important. Yeah, and for me, I'm starting to kind of – I'm 23, so I'm starting to realize that I'm, I'm not invincible anymore. And um, – <laughs> John You're still over a baby. Evolve, yeah, John over at Evolve <laughs> and Tom at Mass Iron are just like always hounding on me. I'm like, hey, should I should I go a little bit lighter today? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go heavy. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Whenever you think that you should go a little bit lighter, you should probably do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like right now, I think I'm about four four weeks out, give or take a week, and um, mm-hmm. body's starting to feel it for sure. And like squats went terribly over the weekend and I didn't feel myself right and so I'm like all right I gotta take a step back and kind of replan things out look at it from a longevity perspective as well was that just your like circumax squat you think or it was just like your do you run a conjugate style program um I kind of I like to call it a hybrid conjugate so I'm not necessarily doing like a max effort and dynamic effort I'm doing but I'm doing similar movements to it so it's kind of like a little bit of both but okay, I think cool. after this meet, I think after this meet, I'm gonna go like full on conjugate, just do all the crazy variations every Sunday and all that good stuff. So yeah, it makes it fun, um, you know. Just like, and then there's just so many opportunities to do so many different variations, where it's like, oh yeah, I haven't done this in like three months, four months, five months. Like, yeah, you know what? It, it's so you uh, make sure you write stuff down, <laughs> so you can yeah. like track your progress. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I definitely keep a good I keep a good log of everything. I mean, I'm an engineer, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like in my brain to keep everything planned out, laid out, super well organized. So exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, a bad squat and prep doesn't. I mean, you're just getting right. You're peaking. It's peaking phase. You know, yeah. so you'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> I figured it out last time. We'll figure it out again. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so for me, I'm raw, but I just started using wraps, and um, John and Charlie over at Evolve, they're, they're equipped, and so mm-hmm. I kind of had, I have some experience with it. I haven't hopped in anything besides an F8 one time just to try it out. And, Did you um, have fun? Oh, I had a blast. I, I definitely got <laughs> a little bit of an itch for it. <laughs> so yeah. um, I guess kind of tell me about what got you into Multiply. Um honestly like whenever I did that first raw meet and I knew that I wanted to beat Becca I knew that I had to get into gear to do it and and then I met Laura and you know watching all of her videos and 
you know, seeing how she did, she did everything too. It's very motivational. Um, I think the thing that I liked about gear and I waited, I did a couple of raw meets. I, I made sure I could deadlift at pool 500 before, raw before I jumped into gear. Um, but I, the thing that I liked about it the most is just like a new challenge. It was something that you had to learn again and it can be so frustrating. Um, you know what I mean? Because you have to be so technical with that gear to make it do what you want, you want it to do to lift weight optimally. Um, and, but once you figure it out, it's such a good feeling. <laughs> I know you see, you probably see equipped lifters getting out from under a squat, like can barely breathe, <laughs> like, eyes bulging out of their head. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> like Once you do it, it's, there's no other feeling like it. Yeah. So what, uh, what brand do you use? I used, I was using Inzer. Um, I had, I had actually contacted John Inzer to see if he wanted to sponsor me and I never heard back. And then I, I, um, I, I ordered a pair of briefs and the sizing and everything. It just wasn't right. So I saw Rudy with overkill at um, a powerlifting meet and I was like, I'm just going to get some briefs from him. And some of my, the girls that I train with, they're like, yeah, you, he's got great briefs. And he's like, uh, he was sizing me and he's like, you're not sponsored. And he said, no, he goes, let me sponsor you. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I kind of like the way things are going. He's like, let me sponsor you. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And if I don't like it, then, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be sponsored. I'll pay for my stuff. And yeah. I mean, Rudy's great. The gear that he makes is built to last forever. So, um, I use overkill strength equipment. Okay, I don't know yeah. if you tried I mean, the wraps or anything. No, but I've heard good things about them. So I use the uh, Elite FTS Patriot ones right now. They're the, kind of more elasticy, a little, little softer on the knees, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I've had I've heard good things from Titan and Overkill, and then I've heard some some uh, bad things about Inzer just taking forever to get people equipment, and like Titan and Overkill get it in a few yeah. weeks. So. Yeah, I think that you know Inzer. Because high school powerlifting in Texas is pretty huge. And I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of their popular, like they just are really giving out to the uh, powerlifters in Texas, the high schoolers. Um, I, I don't know. I can't really say for sure if people, yeah. if it's taking people a while, but I have been hearing that rumor as well. Um, you know, for a while there, they were pretty quick, at least when I first started. So that's hard. I don't, I don't really know right now but i have heard those rumors um yeah. i've never tried titan gear but i do know people who really like titan a couple of people that i train with uh really like it but i've never tried it i was always kind of too afraid to change things up yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think Preacher every yeah and i think every yeah. piece of gear can be um you know it's a learning curve because mm -hmm like it could just be a little different and like oh okay like these br briefs hit a little different than my predators did or you know what i mean so i never really like to change things up too much but so whenever i transitioned into rudy's gear that was definitely a learning curve and i that's when things started to get a little more mentally challenging for me because like i know that i should be lifting this weight you know why does it feel like this or why can't i hit depth like what do i need to change so just the, you know, it became a little, a little bit more of a challenge when I thought I had it figured out, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm glad that I did it. Yeah. 
And then, so I guess we'll talk about kind of going into the meet where you hit that 2000 pound total, kind of um, talk about the prep going into it, maybe some of the challenges you had, and then obviously the, the day of the meet. Yeah. So my first 2000 pound total was actually in 2001 at Shauna Mendelssohn's meet. Um, I had a, the only goal I had for that was to go, was a 900 pound squat. And I did that. I did 925 that day. Um, only got my first bench attempt on like the third. So I just, my first, my opener on the third attempt, which was pretty typical. Um, <laughs> and, and then I was able to pull 635. Um, but after that meet, it was kind of sitting with me like, hey, Leah, if you would have got all your bench attempts, you would have taken the all-time world record total then. Yep. Um, so I knew I had it in me. And then the next meet I did, I bombed out on bench. <laughs> and then, so I took some time, like a year to just really train my ass off and learn, figure it out. And that's when I had to change things a little more mentally because, um, there was a lot of outside noise. You know, I know people are really excited, you know, that this is going to happen. And so I stopped, and honestly, like, I'm glad that people were excited, but I had to stop posting videos, my training videos, um, yep. just because it's like, I was so busy too, where I just needed to, you know, I just took the time that I was at the gym to think about powerlifting and that was it. Yep. I could, I wasn't like hyper-focusing on powerlifting. I just knew that I needed to hit like a five pound PR every time that I came in, if I could, um, you know, and if I didn't, I didn't stress over it. I'm like, okay, well that sucks, but I'm going to make this happen on meet day. Yep. <laughs> um, and so that's essentially what my prep was, was the only time I thought about powerlifting was the hour and a half, two hours that I was in the gym. Um, I would make sure that I was eating, recovering, hydrating, making sure I was doing everything outside of the gym that was possible. But also my mental game changed a little bit. That's when I had to start, you know, doing visualization or even like stress management um, just to ensure that I was mentally ready to compete because I knew that the strength was there. It's just putting it all together on one day. And you know, even as a raw lifter, anything could happen on a single day. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it was that, that last meet that I had the one in April, this past April on the 20 or eight, yeah, April, 2022, it was wait, 23. I don't even know what year it is um, <laughs> um, at the Pro-Am. And that was honestly probably the best that the day could have gone. You know, I, I knew that if I hit my seconds, I could get the all-time world record total. Um, and I did that, you know, I missed my, my third um, bench. It was just like, we were kind of just shooting for the moon and I missed my yep. third deadlift just because after I had got the, record on my second I was like all that adrenaline just leaves yep. your body and you're just exhausted <laughs> but I was just you know like if I knew it and I knew I came in with a plan um I didn't get too into my head I'm not like an angry lifter I don't use smelling salts or anything like that it's just like I was there to do business yep. and uh I did it so it was just good like you know to be able to have a plan and execute that and it couldn't have been better yeah, well, I want to congratulate you for that. That's quite an <laughs> Thank accomplishment. You. So. Thank you. So, yeah, it's kind of funny that you brought that up in terms of, like, kind of 
locking it in. Like I just posted a story, I think it was yesterday or the day before of like, Hey, I'm 26 days out. I'm not posting anything until the meet except podcast episodes. So if you want to stay up to date, listen to the podcast, because I think, uh, I'm too worried about all the other outside things. And I just need to start focusing on getting back into my routine and kind of, I had to dial back and kind of re readjust everything. So. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, especially thinking about the gym a little bit before you go doing your visualization, you know, what I would do is always like imagine myself on the platform completing the lift, like literally cue for cue, how, how I would think it would feel, you know, I would, I did that every day, um, for every lift, but I dialing it in and like just shutting out that noise, um, that extra noise or the feel that you need to like post on social media and stuff. Um, that really helped a lot. It really yeah. helped a lot. Cause it just, it's just you and the barbell, which is how it's supposed to be anyways, you know? Yep. Yeah. And <clears throat> you can, you can ask anyone that knows me and if they could, Describe me in a few words. Overthinker is one of them. So, like the mental. <laughs> well, you're an game, engineer. Yeah, yeah. So, like the mental game. If I even, I'm, I don't even know if I want to record my videos anymore, just because I'm going to overanalyze everything and I think about things. And I think half the time I just need to turn my brain off. And learning to do that's probably been the hardest part of training for a meet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're in the gym, it's your time. Don't think about anything else. Just you, the barbell that's it and just make sure like I would always one of the guys that I train with his name is Dan Neely he would always say to me he's like you literally practice over and over to perfect these movements do that yeah. <laughs> he's like just do that you know what you're doing do it I'm like okay he's like it's just you and the barbell <laughs> I'm like, all right like these this is these are actually like simple little expressions but it's just like okay yeah you're right I know what I'm doing <laughs> yeah I, I like something I like this start telling myself now, like on a squat or deadlift, I'm like, just stand up. It's not that hard. Just, you know what you're doing. Stop thinking about it. So exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely like mental preparedness for powerlifting and just practicing, you know, getting your mental game intact. I think that is something that a lot we should, that's, it carries over, you know, it's like any sport. I don't know if you played sports or anything like that or what your pregame ritual was, but I knew that I would literally be on the bus with my headphones in, just thinking about how, you know, when I was playing basketball, like, you know, how I want to win the game. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to focus and, and that always helped so much. And I'm like, okay, well that's it's powerlifting is the same thing. Um, so yeah, the dialing in that's major key. Yeah. So, so I did, I played college football. So I just finished this year. Um, mm -hmm. I did, I did wrestling from my sophomore year of high school to sophomore year of college. So I had a little bit of a with that, but my life was football from seven years old till last year. So yeah, it's kind of a good point to bring up. I don't, you gotta have that mental game, like a pregame kind of before a workout, it's the same way you would a football game. It's kind of a similar approach, I guess. Absolutely. I have a playlist that I would play, you know, the same stuff. And it's usually, it's not even like, it's not like metal and it's not, and it was literally like classical music. <laughs> I know that's kind of embarrassing, but it's like, it would calm me down. You know what I mean? Instead of getting like super amped up or anything, because I'm just not, I'm not a very hyped up lifter. I'm just there. Like, 
when I, I when I walk up to the chalk pool, like I know I can kick my my adrenaline just kicks in. Like, yeah. okay, like you you know. Um, so yeah, the pregame like just keeping everything the same, having a ritual. Even I know it might sound a little excessive, like tying my shoes <laughs> the same, like my squat shoes the same. You know, yeah. that made me feel better. <laughs> so Yeah. I I would say I'm probably more on the opposite and I get very amped up and I think that's something that I'm starting to kind of learn to dial back, kind of internalize it and in a different way. So instead of like being loud and aggressive, just be loud and aggressive internally and be able to focus like that has helped. Um, I still, I love my smelling salts. Um, Obsidian ammonia, I've been using their salts for a while and I, I love them. They come out with different scents all the time. I'm kind of like a first one to order as soon as they come out. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's definitely, definitely helped to kind of calm down, but kind of keep, keep that switch turned on at the same time. Have you been using them, the salt since your football days? Did you use them in football? Uh, yeah. We, uh, we used to have <laughs> a couple of freshmen on the sideline. We called them salt boys instead of water boys. So we had like three or four guys walking around with all of our salt. So anytime we'd go out, we'd take a whiff. So not sure if that was allowed or not, but it was definitely fun. <laughs> I think, I think it is, you know, I, I'm not sure of like the rules in Ohio, but I actually coach strength and conditioning at a at a high school here. Um, and I was talking about like, what do they, what they need for halftime? So I was talking to the coach and I was like, Hey, like, you know, we need to get them candy, like full size candy bars, or Skittles, something for halftime just so they can get those quick carbs. And they're like, well, what about granola bars? I'm like, no, <laughs> like that's too hard to digest. Yeah. I was like Skittles, Snickers, anything like that. And they're like, what about smelling salts? I'm like, no, that's not giving them energy to fuel their body. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, well, we definitely have smelling salts. So I was like, I don't even know if that's allowed, <laughs> but I was like, I'm really happy for you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, sometimes that extra punch in the face can help. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of being a female in the sport, obviously with it being a male dominated sport, um, what has been like your experience as being a female powerlifter? Um, well, I think that in the past couple of years, it's really come a long way for, for females. Um, you know, we were able to increase the weight classes, which I mean, it's been you know, that was two years ago, I think, that the, the weight classes increased um, because super heavyweight for women was 198 plus. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know how it is. There's tons of women in the sports, all in the sport, all shapes and sizes. And, you know, to have someone who weighs 199 complete against someone who weighs 230, that just didn't seem right, um, yeah. especially since it has been growing for women. Um, so... I think it's becoming, I think that the culture is actually better. I think um, <laughs> probably the things that I would recommend that need to be changed is getting more youth into these state chairs or judges chairs or um, uh, these executive committees for federations and stuff like that. Honestly, I think that we should just cancel feds. Like what, why do we even need them? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like let's just have a standard set of rules, and you know, I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> um, 
So I think that's probably the one thing that needs to change just because, you know, powerlifting is for everybody. But um, I think that to have more younger people involved in, um, you know, like those leadership roles, I think that that could make make it better for, for everyone, you know, because we know how to navigate social media a little bit more or, yep. you know, graphic design, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, marketing, and I'm not saying these people don't know how to market, but I think having a little more of um, a, a useful presence in some of those committees and um, all of that can be really helpful, especially with some of the drama that's happened with some of the federations lately. Yeah, I um, agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I, honestly, as a whole, in maybe it's because I've trained under Laura, and I mean, she produces so many great lifters. And um, our gym, we have we have men that train at our gym, and they're very very good lifters. But we're also we're pretty female dominant. Um, I, I mean, I train with all guys, but um, but you know we have th- two or three group, four groups of girls, like <laughs> you know yeah. gr- lifting groups of girls as well. So it's pretty female dominant. Um, and but every meet that I've been to, it's been really lifter friendly, especially for females. Um, so I haven't really had any bad experiences now and for like the general population, <laughs> that's different, you know, yeah. because you go, people are like, well, why do you want to do this? Or, you know, why do you want to get bulky or, yeah. you know, why, why? <laughs> and I'm just like, you just don't understand, but that's okay. You don't have to, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would always get those types of questions, even from family until they realized they went to a powerlifting meet and they're like, oh yeah, like this is kind of cool. We understand it now. I'm yep. like, yeah, like I'm not just trying to, you know, get big and strong <laughs> for no reason. I'm trying to um, break a record. And I mean, for me, I, I gained 90 pounds for powerlifting. Um, you know, I played basketball, I was a thrower, but I, because Matt, I mean, mass moves mass right people are like oh that's crazy and i'm like i had a goal and you know i did what i had to do um so yeah i i I gained weight for powerlifting um and for some people that was just unheard of (laughs) but i did it i did what i like i said i did what i had to do i have no regrets (laughs) yeah and i think uh i think recently over the past few years too, the, the social media of like the kind of fitness industry has been moving in the right direction. Um, I would say like less females are concerned about the whole being bulky thing. And people are starting to realize that it's not that easy to just get bulky. It's hard for, for a guy to get bulky, let alone a female. Yeah, so Exactly. <laughs> it really, really is. And you know, lifting weights, yeah, you're going to build muscle tone and you're going to get strong, but that takes a lot of hard work. It takes years. Um, it takes proper nutrition, recovery, everything. Like, it's not, like you said, it's not easy (laughs) to go get bulky. Not easy at all. (laughs) And yeah, I think people like you and other female lifters who are just like at that elite level are great representatives of the sport, have done a lot for the sport and kind of making it way more open and inviting to youth females that have thought about it or have considered it or at least just started in the gym even from that yeah thank you that's really nice that's honestly one of my biggest things is just you know hopefully inspiring other girls women to like no matter what age 
hey, like you can push through ga- like these glass ceilings. You can do these crazy things that we're supposedly not supposed to be doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's literally really one of the biggest goals is just to hopefully, hopefully inspire other women and, and young girls. And awesome. it's, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I have my uh, few nieces and even when I'm at home visiting family or, you know, just to get in a quick like GPP workout, like they watch me and then they want to, they want to do it. So, yeah. you know, just to kind of get these young girls involved in exercise um, at a young age, you know, six, seven years old, it's just like, okay, like, this is good. Like, you know, this is, this is, exercise is good. Exercise is healthy. <laughs> it's good for your mental health. So now my niece wants to start taking, like, she wants to start learning how to lift. So I'm like, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's Sign go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, hopefully just, like I said, being a role model is probably one of my biggest goals. And like, you know, I co- like I said, I coach high schoolers and the girl sports are always a little more difficult than the boys sports. Like, like, but Leah, coach Leah, I want abs or coach Leah, I want a bigger butt. (laughs) That's not what we're here for. We're here to make you better athletes. (laughs) So it's hard. It's yeah. They're working with the girls versus working with the guys. Cause you know, they're, they're like, they'll just do what you tell them to do. And then they're like, wait, is this stuff supposed to make me faster? I'm like, yeah, I feel faster. I feel faster, Coach Leah. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's good. It's doing its job. Yep. That's funny. So, yeah. I've, I've kind of thought about maybe getting into coaching, whether it's just coaching a high school or maybe getting into college. I did some like, so I was, um, after my season was over, I did like assistant strength coach because um, my D-line coach is the, uh, strength coach for the school and where he's like a second father to me so he he said yeah you can come help out so did that for a few months and it, it kind of was interesting just because all the kids I was coaching were teammates this past season so kind of it was weird to adjust to being called coach because I was just called cam during the season obviously mm-hmm. so but it is fun and it, it's awesome being able to even people at that level like obviously they're strong kids, but being able to see them adapt and like learn new things and become better lifters and then have it translate to the football field. It's just, it's day in and day out. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling, you know, just seeing these kids become more confident. Um, And honestly, I think that's, that's where my passion is. You know, I work in healthcare now. I graduated with my first degree in exercise physiology, but back in 2012, I'm showing my age. Um, (laughs) when I graduated college, um, there wasn't really a big field for strength and women, like strength and conditioning coaches. Um, so I was like, well, my parents, like you need job security, you need something that you can do. So I went back to nursing school, but now that I've had the opportunity to kind of coach and do this, I was like, okay, yeah, like this is where my passion was. I love, (laughs) I love working with kids and just developing you know, athletic skills. It's it's really a lot of fun. Like not just powerlifting, but a couple of them are like, hey, can you teach us how to like powerlift? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, absolutely. They're like, they're like, can we have a powerlifting club? I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, let's figure this out. <laughs> yeah. So. So I guess we can kind of talk more about whole exercise science, kind of some physiology, some anatomy. 
Um, so with having a coach kind of what made you decide that you weren't able to do your own programming? Um, I, I always believed that a coach needs a coach or a coach needs, you know, even like a sports psychologist or something. If you're a head coach, like, you know, you know, you don't need a coach, but someone to talk to, um, because I think for me, if I did my own programming, um, I mean, I, when I first started, I didn't feel like I was confident enough to, um, but then, you know, the more you learn, the more you study, the more you start to perfect your craft a little bit, then you're like, okay, yeah. But for me, it'd be like, I don't think that I would work hard enough <laughs> or I would program too much and be like, oh, wait, this is way too hard. So I'm going to kind of, you know, jack off or whatever. <laughs> to ground. Yeah. Um, um, but I, and I mean, what a better coach to hire than Laura? in my opinion, you know, she was the queen of, she's the queen of power. She's literally one of the best lifters of all time. If not, she is the the best powerlifter of all time. And to be able to learn from her and get coached by her. I mean, I, I, who would want to pass up that opportunity, especially since I was so close, you know, I actually trained, I actually trained at another gym before I went and trained with her under her because I didn't think I was good enough. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I always think that like a coach needs a coach, Um, you know, and while we can be coaches, we're athletes as well. And um, there's always someone who knows a little more than you do or can bring like real, like reel you in when it's needed or, you know, tell you, when you're not being tough enough or <laughs> um so that's all and I mean she never did that she's so nice but also like sometimes she'd like she would word it really nicely is what she does <laughs> yeah um but yeah I mean some like I always believe you know a coach needs a coach if especially if you're still competing or if you're you know whatever you're doing so um, yeah, that, I think that's pretty interesting because for me, I like I'm kind of I feel like I'm like a middle child type of because I do coaching, so I have I only have three athletes, but I'm always learning, I'm always adapting, I'm kind of still new to coaching specifically for powerlifting. I've been doing personal training for a little over two years, but recently mm-hmm. I consider myself a coach now, and even when I write my own programs or my clients' programs, I I check in with John and have him review it. I have other people look at it, just kind of confirm, kind of see if it makes sense. And I felt like that's really helpful. And I do agree. A coach always needs a coach. And I think that's, I think I use that line a lot too, especially when I'm trying to get a new client. I'm like, well, I I don't think I need a coach. I'm doing fine. I'm like, well, I need a coach. So I think you'd benefit Mm -hmm. from one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also have like online clients, like powerlifting clients and a couple of them are coaches. Um, you know, they have their own clients as well. And it's just like, they learn things from me. I've, you know, and, and that's awesome because it's like, it's kind of like you're just passing along knowledge. And I know people like, oh, this is business and I need more clients. And I'm just like, I just want people to like get better. (laughs) I want them to be happy with their training. I want them to hit PRs. I want to, I want to develop an overall better lifter, not just strength wise, but like, 
mentally or, you know, teach them more about recovery or like being more aware of your body and learning your body a little more and what it needs, you know, listening to cues, um, just stuff like that. And it was, it's really nice because a couple of the guys that I do coach, they're like, I am a completely different lifter than I was this time last year because of the way that you've taught me how to do those things. Um, and, you know, I, I learned those things from Laura, you know, or my own personal experiences. Yep. And even when I first started doing this stuff, I would go to her and I'm like, hey, like, so what do you think about this? Or I have a client who needs help with this. Like, what are your thoughts? And she was always just so like, yeah, I would do this, this, and this. Or she's like, or, you know, yeah. so it's nice to have a resource yep. as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, coaches need coaches or psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could probably use one of those too. Um, I think we all could. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it, it's, I feel like the approach to being a powerlifting coach versus just a personal trainer is, yeah, I would say most personal trainers are involved in it to see people get better. But at the end of the day, some of them rely on the income. Some of them are doing it for money. But I mean, obviously the extra income is nice, but having an engineering job yeah. is nice as well. So for me, it's being able to watch these people grow and become better lifters and kind of be like, hey, I helped build that. Obviously they're putting in their own work and become their own good lifter, but it's, it's nice to kind of see what you've helped them build. Yeah. And honestly, and I know, I, I'm sure you're probably the same way when they go to a competition. Are, are you're, I'm so nervous. I feel like I get more nervous handling and coaching than I do for my own part because I want to see them succeed. Like seeing people succeed that I have helped is like way more gratifying to me than my own world records. Um, you know, so that's why I'm like, okay, like maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Or like, like I said, like with the kids, the football players, like, oh yeah, I'm faster and I'm stronger. And you know, walking with their chests puffed out a little more. Um, just like, like that's, that's just a good feeling to see how excited that they get. Um, so that's definitely, yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I get more proud of that and I get way more nervous to watch people compete and to help handle, help them compete <laughs> yeah, so, than so I do my myself. <laughs> so my three athletes are actually all competing at the same meet in October, the RPS meet in uh, Metfit and Natick and, it'll be like my first meet of being a coach slash handling them and yeah. it should be fun. And it's going to be a learning own. experience. Yeah. So I guess we'll see if the nerves come. I was telling them I'm excited. I'm going to get a polo with coach on it and everything. And <laughs> I'm excited to do that. So especially the polo part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It will definitely be a learning experience. You're going to be busy, but just make sure. And honestly, it's probably not a bad thing because when it comes to be your turn, like that's when you can be like, all right, like, let's go. Cause you're yeah. going to keep your mind so busy otherwise that you'll, you know, be able to, like I said, tune out that extra noise. Mm -hmm. so, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so back to multiply, um, did you have, how long do you think it took you to kind of feel mostly comfortable in your gear not necessarily perfect because it's you'll never feel perfect in it but what was kind of like the learning curve for you did you find it was faster than others slower than others around the same i think that i may have been a little slower than others to be honest i 
I trained in gear for a year before my first meet and it still wasn't, I still wasn't ready. And I think that I may have taken a little longer than everybody else around me. Um, but you know, even when I look at my videos from my first meet, I think my first, uh, yeah, my first multiply meet, I squat 700. And even when I look, I'm like, ew, look at that technique. (laughs) Because it's just, you know, you time under the bar time in your in your gear you know just time like i said the movements that we're practicing to perfect um you know eventually as things started to get better and i started to lift more um but yeah i I look at some of my old videos just from like 2019 because my first multiply meet was in 2019 and i was just like ew like my technique was terrible how did i even pull that off (laughs) but yeah, I definitely think that it took a little longer, but I I am surrounded by people who were training partners who are patient, who um, knew. Luckily, you know, we all per, we all know how to use the gear pretty well as well. So, getting different cues, different feedback, training partners are play a major part, I think, in my success. So I've had a few pretty consistent ones. Like I said, training partners come and go, but there's been a few that have stuck around and pretty lucky to have the team that I do. Um, you know, no matter what they lift, even if they lift less or more, like they still know what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's always really, really helpful. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny you bring that up too, because I think that's something important is just because you're stronger than someone doesn't mean you know better than them. Like there's plenty exactly, of, especially yeah. all these people who can show up to meets and like the, the flash in the pans where it's like, whoa, where did they come from there? But then you watch them like, they're not a good lifter. They're just strong. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you think about, you know, you talk about flash in the pans too. You have these lifters and who knows how they train, right? It could be RPE or periodization or block, or I don't know what they do. And, but they get really strong really fast and like you said repetitive motion they get injured and it's pretty usually pretty detrimental yeah um you see you see it a lot i think in in raw lifting mm-hmm. someone comes out hard and fast and then all of a sudden like they're gone yep. <laughs> like, wait what what happened <laughs> and it's like they've had some pretty bad injuries yep. um so yeah i also think you know training for longevity is important you know of course we all want those newbie gains those 25 30 40 pound prs on variations but yeah i always came up with a plan like let's just try to hit a five pound pr and if you know on the second to last attempt and if the um if another jump happens like cool yeah but if not like cool we'll just move on to accessories but yeah, I agree. I think that just because you're stronger than someone doesn't mean that you necessarily know more than. Um, I think that's very important, especially when like coach selection or, you know, if if powerlifters are looking to hire somebody or even just training partners. Um, yeah, because yeah, a lot of the, I mean, I took a lot of advice from some of the girls at the gym and I'm like, okay, you guys are right. (laughs) Like you're right. And I know, you know, they, they, they have, they're really strong and they have really big lifts, but they, I mean, they weren't squatting 900 pounds. Um, So, and I'm not, you know, 
I think people who are strong too, you know, that it's easy to get an ego. It's easy to get an uh-huh. ego in powerlifting. <laughs> like, well, I'm stronger than you. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yep. Cool. So. Um, I think one of the last things I want to talk about too before I forget is the the main event project. Um, if you want to tell yeah. me a little bit about that? I haven't really looked into it as much, but I, I've seen it on your stories and a little bit about the page. So. Yeah. So main event project. We are. A group it's essentially nonprofit. we sponsor athletes um we were sponsoring meets and meet directors but like i said since there's been kind kind of been some weird drama <laughs> with some federations and stuff lately i think it's best to sponsor a lifter versus you know a director or a certain type of meet um so we do fundraisers and we'll sponsor lifters. Usually um, people who are starting out or they're just not able to afford to travel, you know, for a meet or anything like that. Um, we were able to, one of the things I think we came out with like pretty hard and fast with was getting the um, weight classes increased for women. We, you know, someone, Kirsten Skurlock, she came to us, she's like, how do we do this? And we're like, all right, like, let's go. And actually, it was a group chat that I think I had started after, all right, I don't want to get too political here, but after one of the WPOs, they had interviewed the male champion, but they didn't interview the female champion. And I made an Instagram story, and I didn't mean for it to blow up, and it did. Got Got reposted a lot. And then more, you know, like all of a sudden, like this, just this thing just kind of happened. And then the weight classes happened and we were able yep. to get those increased as well. You know, it's more weight classes for women. And so we're like, okay, well, what's next? Um, and I mean, there's not really a whole lot to fix right now, I think, in powerlifting. Um, so I think leaning towards putting out more information um as well as just doing fundraising and sponsoring athletes like strength athletes in general not just powerlifters um has been more of our our little niche there yeah so that's that's, awesome yeah thank you um definitely something i'm very proud of yeah you should be i mean i think i think the one of the biggest things with powerlifting is obviously look at bodybuilding there's the Olympia, there's the big money, there's Seabum, Ronnie Coleman, that whole, like, just there's so much money in bodybuilding. Obviously, it takes insane amounts of dedication to be at that level to where it's, you can live off of it or, I guess, thrive off of it. But I think that would, I think that's for me, I think personally, I think that should be like the next big stepping stone in powerlifting is getting more money in the sport because you can see the sport growing like crazy, especially the past few years. And absolutely having, being able to, do it full time or at least as a I guess a second job would be something amazing Mm -hmm. yeah it's um powerlifting is is it is vastly growing but I feel like you know because of that you know and and because everybody wants to be a coach it's hard I think to really make a living off of just powerlifting but to be able to um to like you said to be able to do so that would be really cool (laughs) there's just there's just not enough funds i don't think in powerlifting because i think the general population you know 
you can't just go and turn on a powerlifting meet. I mean, we could on yeah. ESPN and we would, we would love it. We would know everything that's going on, but you know, for the general population they'd be like, what is this? This is kind of boring, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not like strongman, you know, you have like those big guys who, what are those big shows on ESPN and stuff and they bring in tons of revenue. Yeah. But it's just because they're moving around and they're doing things like, oh, yeah, this big heavy rock and these big trucks and stuff like that. And, we're, you know, we're just lifting barbells. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, to be able to do that or to be able to get to that point to do it full time, like, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I, I think part <laughs> of it be would kind of be like the, the standard. I, you mentioned earlier, like, get rid of federations. Like, I think if you kind of narrowed it down to, a few or like obviously one's probably impossible but just narrow it down mm -hmm. because that was i think that for me that was one of the hardest things to figure out is when i was doing my first meet i'm like what the fuck there's so many federations i don't so know many. what does what who does where all these membership fees and yeah so i think i think that could be a huge stepping stone into kind of making it more enticing for people yeah and i mean you know while i think I, I just, I've actually talked about this with a couple of people and actually Dan Bell is actually one of them. And we've talked about like, what is the point of these federations, yeah. you know, um, for rules? Like, I think we should just have a standard set of rules, you know, standard depth, like it shouldn't be objective. Um, you know, like yeah. these are the rules, like this is what it is, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking about that too. Cause even for, and I, I may be wrong, but even you can do a meet without buying a membership how, because the meet director reports that to open powerlifting. So I guess it's whatever the meet director wants yeah. um, or how they're going to handle things. Um, so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how do we get rid of federations? And, you know, they're, like I said, and I know I'm not the only one who's thought about that. Like I said, I've talked to a couple of people about it and they're like, yeah, like, you know, what, what could we do to make powerlifting better? And it's just like, do we really need all of these beds? So um, my advice is just find, you know, you can do any federation you'd like, but, you know, if you find a director or if you find meet, a meet that you really want to do or, you know, say you want to do the American pro sometime, like, heck yeah, do it. Like that looks, yeah. that, that looks cool as hell <laughs> like, yeah. with all the lights and stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah, just find a director that you like, or even, you know, if you have that membership or that fed membership and you're like, all right, well, let me just get another, you know, RPS needed, do it. Like who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was part of the reason I kind of was drawn to RPS is because Alex, he's just such a, I don't know if you know Alex Oman, but he's just an awesome guy. He's great for the sport. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. RPS has no membership fee, so that's a little bonus too. But um, That's really nice. Yeah. And I think that RPS, I may be wrong, but I think the, I'm just getting ready to, to I'm going to be a meat director for like the first time ever. I'm learning all these things. And I think that they also have insurance for all the meat directors. So I like if RPS meat directors don't have to buy like event insurance, which is yeah. like 
really nice. (laughs) So I'm like, they've already got that taken care of. And I know a lot of other federations, like you have to um, have your own uh, or get your own insurance or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. So kind of what's, what's next for you? What's like the next big goal? What's the next meet? Um, well, right now I've just been kind of having fun in the gym, um, getting some good fluff sessions in. <laughs> um, I'm actually been looking into, you know, I want to learn a few different things. Um, I'm really interested in getting into some Highland Games stuff. I think it would be really fun to throw and lift objects in a kilt. Um, <laughs> um, I am... I confirmed for the WPO, I need to kind of evaluate where my body's at, but that's the plan so far. Um, I've just been kind of dealing with a little bit of some nagging things, um, you know, and I'm just like, well, to accomplish my goal is kind of been having some fun in the gym, just doing whatever, like, so I'll kind of evaluate that, make sure my body's healing and keeping it healthy. So I'm not, you know, so it doesn't develop into a chronic issue. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no real plan so far. Just kind of, just kind of having fun, trying different things. Yeah. I mean, Hey, sometimes it's good to just enjoy, enjoy yourself for a little bit. So yeah, especially if you exactly. are playing in the WPO, that's a, that's a big one. So yeah. Yeah. It's coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, it's in <laughs> Orlando in November, right? It is. And I think, uh, John is doing it, right? Is he doing so it he might not be. Um, so me and him are doing a meet in September at uh, Shauna's gym at Blue Collar Bar. Oh, yeah. And um, I did that meet. It was fun. Shauna puts on a great meet. Yeah. So I think his plan from there is kind of reevaluate from there just because his shoulder is still not fully healed. So we'll yeah. kind of see where he's at from there. And if not, he, I think he said he's going to do one in December. Um, I forget what gym that that but yeah so but if he does go i think i might make the trip down especially because a lot of people that i've talked to and starting to meet are going to be going down there so yeah yeah i uh even if you know i'm it's something that i don't end up doing you know i still plan to be there um just to see it's nice to see everybody the community and whatnot so if you're there hopefully we'll get to say hi in real life yeah All right, so I guess to wrap things up, I always like to ask my guests is if you could give one piece of advice to a a new lifter or someone going into their first meet, what would it be? Um, Just be patient and be kind to yourself. You know, um, strength takes time. You're, you know, you could could be doing this for years and years, um, but just be patient um, and trust the process. That seems like a little targeted. That's that's like exactly what I keep trying to learn. And that's why uh, John and Tom will tell me all the time. So. Well, I promise I didn't know that. So I'm not trying to. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It was awesome having you. And um, we'll stay in touch. Hopefully uh, November goes well. And if I get down there, hopefully I get to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And um, this was fun. It was a nice little little mix-up, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. This concludes episode 11 of the Powerlifters, then. Tune in next week. Thank you.